All right, welcome to the Business in Morocco podcast. This is episode 29. We're going to be talking about economic trends in Europe and here in Morocco. But first, let's do a little update. Ryan, how have you been? Been doing well. It was a hot week last week. I think uh, it was the hottest of the year so far. Got up to around 30 in Casablanca. So. <laughs> Not too hot. Our Marrakesh listeners are thinking, ah, if only. Right. It's all relative. Yeah. When we were driving back from Agadir through the mountains, I think it got up to 42. Aye. So. Man. Thank goodness the car made it through. We had the air conditioning going the whole time. And other than that, uh, my family's been sick this week, so they've been under the weather, a summer cold. That's a little annoying. My my son was sick on his birthday. Oh, no. Saturday. But uh, he still has as much energy as ever. He just doesn't sleep well. Uh, Which is the worst part is for my wife. So she's got to be up during the day and not sleeping during the night. Yeah. But I continue to work and I feel like I'm, I'm in a boxing match. It's life versus me. And oh, who's winning? Well, it's a draw right now. <laughs> we keep knocking each other down and then we both keep getting back up. And so I think this is true for everyone. There'll be times when it feels like you're losing the match, and there'll be times when it feels like you're winning. You're landing some good punches. You're you're making progress. You think you're winning. Another challenge comes along, but you just got to keep fighting. You got to keep moving forward and not giving up. I keep bringing this up, looking for an office. It has now become my least favorite issue in Morocco since I've moved here. It was more enjoyable applying for the carte séjour, uh, which if anyone has ever done that, they know exactly what I'm talking about. Uh, it can be a painful process and uh, a very frustrating. I keep finding places and, and making offers and negotiating, and it just doesn't work out. Sometimes I'm too late to make an offer. Sometimes the owner doesn't understand zoning laws, so they offer a business rental, but really the zoning only allows for residential leases and Mm -hmm. renting. And I've probably wasted six weeks waiting for owners to figure that out before they tell me, oh, the syndic, the homeowners association does not agree to a a commercial lease. And so that's sort of frustrating. I have found another place which the story I want to tell our listeners is this place was not for rent online. There were no publications of any kind. There was no agent representing this place. There was just a sign hanging out the window. And I happened to be walking in the neighborhoods. Well, let me say that again. I I didn't happen to be walking. I intentionally went out walking, looking for places and talking to guardians about whether or not there were empty offices in certain buildings because I knew that If I could find places like that, I would be more likely to get a deal Hmm. because there wouldn't be a lot of people calling and asking about these places because they weren't available online. Right. So there would be no competition. Exactly. There wouldn't be a lot of demand for the office. So I figured if I could find a place like that, I might be the only one applying and I could be the only one who's shown any interest in several weeks or months. Right. And I did find a place like that, and the owner does not live in Morocco, lives overseas. And we've been going back and forth for several weeks, communicating, texting, negotiating. And 
it's been an interesting process because the way that he marketed his office or didn't really or didn't (laughs) he showed a, a lack of enthusiasm a lack of motivation a lack of sophistication in marketing his empty office but when it comes to negotiating the rent and the contract he's being very very diligent Mm. and he has high standards for who he wants to rent his place. So to me, there's sort of a mismatch in the way that he advertised his place and the way that he is negotiating his rent. So right now we're still in negotiations, and and I'm hoping that we can come to uh, an agreement. Sounds like the, the legal contract department is a lot better than the marketing department yeah. in, his entrepre- in his enterprise. Well, we've talked about this before. Many, many owners would rather leave their space vacant than rent to the wrong person. Yeah, That happens because it's incredibly difficult to evict someone from your property if they don't pay the rent. And so anybody who has any sense that someone is not going to pay or may be poor or abuse the property, they're not even going to be considered for rent. Mm -hmm. You have to essentially be rich or be a relative or a friend. There's got to be some kind of confidence you give to the owner knowing how difficult it is to evict. So I'm trying to overcome those challenges right now. On another front, uh, I've talked about the painter that I'm representing and we're making progress there towards exporting these paintings to duty-free. And I think once we can get that started, the airport has thousands of customers that go through there every day. And this painter that I represent can only produce about 100 per month. So if he sells in Casablanca and Marrakesh, he would essentially sell out all of his capacity if he could sell one and a half paintings a day. Yeah which is a pretty low conversion rate. Yeah. If you have a thousand people going through a store and you sell one or two paintings, that's one-tenth of one percent conversion rate. Yeah. That's pretty good. Yeah. So we're hopeful that uh, we can get that worked out and get that started. What about you? Well, I just got back, and so this past week has been fantastic. It's good to be home, good to be back in Casa, and I've been really taken to heart what you said on the podcast last week, which when I was presenting different ideas and goals that I had for the end of 2019, you said, well, I see no reason why you can't do all of this. And so that's inspired me. And I've thought, okay, yeah, if I, if I meticulously plan this and I'm organized and I'm motivated and I'm disciplined, I can, I can pull this off. So I had a meeting at one of the schools I want to teach at that went well. It looks like it's going to it's going to be set for this semester. And somebody called me asking about team building. They saw a video I posted on LinkedIn and we have a meeting set up. Even if it's not a good fit, even if my pricing is too high for his clients or um, I don't seem like the right person for the job after we've connected, it's still a really positive sign for me because it shows that People are seeing this video, I'm establishing myself and my expertise is becoming known. I'm building a reputation and people are reaching out to me to fulfill the need. So that's that's super encouraging. I do need to 
review my derija. I'm a little afraid of meeting up with my tutor again because I haven't been as disciplined as I should have been. But I, I do want to continue progressing and uh, learning the local language and being able to speak to everyone I meet on the street. So yeah, I got to get back, get back started on that as soon as I can. But it's good to be home. Well, let's get into the topic of the day, which is our personal observations of the health of the Moroccan economy and uh, some of your observations from your time in Europe. Um, is there anything that, that jumps out at you from your time in Europe, uh, a big difference between Europe and Morocco or something that specifically caught your attention? Yeah, I mentioned previously about the amount of automation that I witnessed. And, you know, I drove all over southern France and they have all these tolls on the highways, just like we have here in Morocco, but not a single person. Never was there a person. And at one point, because I had a roof rack, it spat out a, a ticket for a truck. I had to reach way up high as if I was in the cab of a truck to get that ticket. And I thought, oh no, I don't know what the rates are for trucks. Is this gonna be more expensive or less expensive? So at the next toll, when it was time to pay, I thought I got to get out and look for somebody and there was nobody. There was no person around. And that's the direction that things are going. I took my sons to a football match and we just had like a QR code on the phone. And when you get there, you just put the phone up to a little machine. It spits out a ticket right at the gate that tells you which seat you're in, which section you're in. Um, this kind of thing I know is is going to be a trend here in Morocco as well. Mobile payments, automation, that's the direction that things are going. Another cool business that I saw, we went out down to this one river in kayaks and there's certain sections where the river gets very narrow and there's rapids. You know, the water's moving really quickly and there's rocks and it's kind of a time where you're really concentrating, trying not to flip over. And there was several different people that had set up a business where they were sitting in the river with a camera and just taking pictures of everybody who goes by. And then there's a website and you go to this website, you go to the date that you were there and you just scroll through and you're seeing all sorts of strangers going through that section of the river until you find yourself. And they've watermarked the photo. So it's not something you can just necessarily download and keep but it's something you might want. And so by paying a fee, you can have a copy of this. And I thought, this would be a great business in Morocco. I see tons of Moroccan photographers on Instagram, and that's a really tough industry to monetize. Even if you build up a whole bunch of followers on Instagram, you know, 10,000, 20,000, how do you monetize that? How do you turn that into a business? But if you've got skills as a photographer, this could be a real simple way. Now, obviously, tourists would be a great way to monetize it. You go to some place like Paradise Valley or Uzud Waterfalls, and you just take shots of people, and you give them a little card that says, you know, check out the shots on, on the website. They might pay to download that. Or you monetize the traffic. People just come to the site to see their pictures and all those visitors are something that you can advertise to. But you could be doing this uh, with surfers, you could do this at skate parks, you could do this with the tourists that are riding camels on the beach. This incredible experience, but who's taking your photo? You know, you wanna capture that. 
you know, you gotta, you gotta get some credit on Instagram. If there's no photo, it didn't happen. So that's a great idea for someone to monetize. Um, but the larger principle here is you're offering value for free, but you're attracting an audience, you're gaining attention, and then you can monetize that audience. So that was just something I've been chewing on. That's a great business that could translate here in Morocco. Yeah, that's that's a good idea. Catching people in a moment that is completely unique and that they can't do themselves. Mm -hmm. Going in a kayak down a a river, especially from a different point of view, getting that photo, Mm -hmm. that's something definitely of value that I think people would pay for. And clearly they are. If they're still sitting out there in the middle of the river taking pictures, somebody's paying for it. Yeah. That's a good idea. I think our listeners should try to apply that to some of the tourist places. You think about like carriage rides in Marrakesh. Yeah. You know, if your family was going by Ketubia, the big mosque tower in Marrakesh, and someone snapped a photo from a great angle and then handed you a little business card that said, go to the site and see your picture, I think a lot of tourists would would pay a few euros to, to download that image. Yeah. Are you looking for books in English in Morocco? Well, search no more. www.englishbooks.ma is a new Moroccan online bookstore specializing in English books. Order from a huge selection of more than 100,000 titles that can be delivered all over Morocco. The website features an express delivery section, which offers titles guaranteed to arrive at your door in three days or less. Many of the books we have recommended on this podcast are available, so check out englishbooks.ma and start shopping and reading. Now back to the show. You had mentioned that uh, that during your trip you had stayed in some Airbnbs and maybe some hotels. Uh, what was that experience like? Yeah, my family and I, we prefer to stay in Airbnbs. And the main reason, well, there's two main reasons. One is because a lot of hotels are one room. And what that means is when it's time for the kids to go to bed, mom and dad have to go to bed. And so that makes it really difficult, especially when your kids are young, because you're operating on such a different schedule. But if you're talking or the lights are on or the television's on, it keeps the kids awake. But the second reason is because we like to make our own food as much as we can. When we travel, we get really tired of eating at restaurants all the time. Not only is it super expensive, but it's unhealthy and you start to just feel feel gross. So having a place with a kitchen is a preference. So we use Airbnb all the time. We've used it all over Europe. We've used it in North America. We've used it here in Morocco. And this is something that I think could definitely be used by several of our listeners. Number one, if you're listening to this podcast, you've got English. And that is the number one language used by tourists around the world. If you've got somebody coming from China, you've got somebody coming from Germany, you've got an American coming over, you can communicate with all of them using English. And there's a million tourists a month that are coming through Morocco, and not all of them want to stay at some big resort or hotel. A lot of them want to stay in a more local environment for the reasons that I described, but also because they want to experience more of what the real Morocco is. And so they're interested in being in a neighborhood where their neighbors are real people and they see actual life happening, not just tourists like themselves shuttling to and fro. So that's an opportunity. I think a lot of Moroccans would be 
surprised to know that they could rent out their apartment or even just a room in their apartment. There's a lot of tourists that would love to live with a family. And not just because it's more affordable, but because they want to eat local food, they want to experience local life. And Airbnb also has a couple other potential revenue streams for our listeners. One is Airbnb experience. So this is not related to accommodation, it's related to your activities. So I can go into a city like Casablanca or Marrakesh and see what kind of experiences are offered through the Airbnb platform. Things like uh, having a local meal or getting a tour of the local market or just having somebody that brings you from place to place. Now, I know there's laws in Morocco that govern the tourism industry. There's certain requirements and, and licensing that's necessary. But again, our listeners have the asset of English. And so there's got to be a lot of licensed tour operators out there that they maybe have transportation, they maybe have deals worked out with some of the tourist sites and doing guided tours. But our listeners could act as like a middleman that helps bring in customers and direct them to these various tour operators. So Airbnb experiences is a fantastic way to make money, especially because the pricing is so different. When somebody's coming from Europe, North America, China, their mindset of what's uh, a good price for something will go a long way in dirhams. And then the other potential revenue stream through Airbnb is this idea of being a professional host or a manager on the site. Do you want to talk about that? Because I know you know about that too. Well, yeah. A lot of the listings on Airbnb are just done by the owner. Mm -hmm. And they're not necessarily done as well as they could be. When you talk about the average Airbnb guest, they are making their decision based on a couple of factors. One is how much does it cost? Two, how much space is there? How many beds and bedrooms are there? Is there Wi-Fi? Uh, is the space available but then what really seals the deal is the quality of the photographs and the reviews mm -hmm. if you have a few reviews that say that you're a good host and the place was comfortable and clean and accommodating and you have good pictures of what the actual space looks like you're gonna have a much better chance of renting it out mm -hmm. unfortunately a lot of the owners who have spaces on Airbnb they just don't do a good job of taking photos. So if you can use your phone or get a, a cheaper camera and go and help these owners take pictures and use your English to improve their listing in terms of the details and the layout and the information, you could be provide a valuable service to these owners. Mm -hmm. You can go right onto the Airbnb application and you can contact these owners and say, look, your listing is not as good as it could be. I'm offering to help you improve it. And that could be a service that you offer as an auto entrepreneur. I'll take photos. I'll help you write in your, your, the details of your listing in English. And I'll help you do some best practices. Here are some best practices. Have enough towels, toilet paper, and tissues. How about a garbage can in every room? How about a mirror in every bedroom? The place needs to be swept and clean. If you have a kitchen, 
wash all of the dishes and the utensils and make sure that it's adequately stocked. There's nothing extremely crazy here that I'm talking about, but a lot of owners fail to do this. And if they have one or two or three guests come through who leave negative reviews, that could be the end of your business because people don't want to risk spending their money and their time on a place that has given other people a bad experience. Mm -hmm. So as an auto entrepreneur, you have the ability to download the app, you have the ability to contact the owner, and you have the ability to create a list of best practices by looking at other properties that are always booked. Mm -hmm. You have all this information at your disposal. Where are the properties in Marrakesh that are always booked? They always have a guest. And then look at the properties that are always available. And just take the best practices of the places that are always booked and suggest making changes to the owners of the places that are always available. And you can look at the availability of an Airbnb on their calendar. Mm -hmm. All of this information is at your fingertips. You just have to have the courage to take a risk, whether it's buying some camera equipment or just sending a message to these owners and being willing to be rejected. Mm -hmm. uh, one of the things that I've done in my business, a lot of people, when you talk about sales, they have sales goals. I'm going to sell this many clients this month, or I'm going to make this many calls. In my opinion, that's the wrong metric. Your goal should be a certain number of rejections. Hmm. And I will not stop until I am rejected 15 times today. And if you start that way and you know that's your goal, you won't be surprised when you're rejected and you won't be discouraged because right. that was your goal. Right. Your goal was to be rejected, but it will force you into the conversations with uh, your potential clients. So, so I completely agree. I think the future of travel is looks a lot more like Airbnb and a lot less like a hotel. Yeah. Can you think of any other sharing economy type platforms that, that could be leveraged? I mean, I know that there's uh, car sharing is something. So people allow their car to be used by somebody maybe when they're away or... Maybe it's just in their best interest to take the tramway or ride the bus or catch a ride with a friend when their car can be rented. Um, we've done that before where we've been traveling and rather than going through one of the big companies and paying top dollar, we just rented through some sort of car sharing website. You're basically like borrowing somebody's car. Can you think of any other sharing economy type businesses that, that could work here in Morocco? Well, we already know that, that Kareem is working. Mm-hmm. And they were, of course, bought by Uber uh, earlier this year, I think. Mm -hmm. And I think they are the future as well, as soon as they can overcome the challenges that they face from, from the taxis and from the government. Uh, but I think that, that driving for Kareem is, is a good way for, for someone to make extra money and to have a flexible schedule. Uh, for example, if you were going to part-time help Airbnb property owners improve their listings at other times during the day or during the week, you could drive for Kareem. Yeah. 
When I just look at the employment statistics for Morocco, the official statistics are, are pretty bad. 20% of university graduates are unemployed. Ages 25 to 34, 14% across all of Morocco are unemployed and in the big cities it's almost 20% and these are the official statistics right which means that it's probably much higher yeah I think the future for a lot of our listeners and for a lot of young people especially in light of the automation that you were talking about earlier Mm -hmm. and the future of automation and artificial intelligence and robotics the future is as an independent worker as an auto entrepreneur, as someone who has the ability to be flexible in their work, to be dynamic and creative, to identify the jobs that need to be done in society, the problems that need to be solved. I think a lot of our listeners are going to find their future is as a small business owner, as an independent, and not necessarily as an employee for a big company. That, that just happens to be my opinion. Uh, I think it's one of the, the great ways to reduce unemployment. Uh, but I think uh, too many people think that working for a big company is, is the only way to move forward in life and to succeed. I think for a lot of people, there are, are better options and options that are more hopeful uh, as an auto entrepreneur. And, and we've mentioned one today as being uh, an advisor to an Airbnb host. Mm -hmm. The the main questions you need to ask yourself is, what job am I helping to get done? What problem am I solving? How am I going to help someone else make money? How am I going to help someone else have a better life? If you're always looking at the world through that framework, then you'll have a much better opportunity to get paid for what you're doing. Mm -hmm. Um, For example... I was in discussions with a potential client last week, and he has a business, and he is offering affiliate program, meaning you can sell his product, and he will split a commission with you. Mm -hmm. And that type of relationship, everyone is motivated and everyone is happy. Right. He's happy to give me the rights to sell his product, and I'm happy to sell it because I'm going to get... A commission. Yeah. It's those types of arrangements that can be very powerful and very long lasting because everybody wants everyone to succeed. Yeah. And I'm even at the point where I'm motivated to help his business grow without getting paid so that my affiliate opportunities are even greater. When you think about starting a small business or offering a service, Think about a problem that you can solve or a job that can be done. Let's take, for example, a restaurant. What job is a restaurant doing? Well, for some people, it's providing a a tasty meal. For some people, it's providing a cheap meal. For some people, it's providing a convenient meal. It's right next door. It's right downstairs. It's right across the street. For some people, it's just providing a cool, air-conditioned place to sit for a while. For some people, it's providing an excuse to get out of the house. For some people, it's providing a place to meet. A way to impress a girl. Exactly. These are all jobs that a restaurant is doing. If you originally think about a restaurant, you may think, oh, that's a place where you eat. 
but there are actually a lot of jobs that are being done in a restaurant. Sometimes a restaurant is providing a place to watch a match. Mm -hmm. All of these jobs a restaurant does. And if you can think about the economy in terms of the jobs that need to be done and what you can do and how you can get jobs done, you're, you're getting closer to providing value and either getting hired as an employee or as an independent. Yeah. Yeah, I love that idea of solving a pain point. Sometimes it's a problem that you identify yourself. You think, oh, I can't stand that. This is so frustrating. Run with that thought and think, what would potentially solve my pain right now? What would provide a solution to the problem that I'm facing? Because that's often a great business opportunity. If you're experiencing this pain and frustration, probably a lot of others are too. Now, one idea, I don't think I've shared it on the podcast before, but it's this time of year where students are getting ready to go back to school. And a lot of schools, parents are responsible to purchase the books and school supplies of the students. And the schools provide this long, detailed list of books in often three languages and very, very specific editions of different books. And it's up to parents to go and source all this material. So bookstores are very familiar with this. They take the list. And we've been living in Morocco long enough that we handed in the list in June or July and then are hoping that when we show up at the bookstore a couple months later, they hand us a box and everything is exactly as the list described. All the supplies are in there. But that's often not the case. Often a bookstore says, oh, sorry, we're out of that, or this is on back order, or they give you the wrong edition. Or sometimes bookstores say, look, we're not taking any more orders. We're swamped. We've got all the customers we need at the moment. And right around the end of August, early September, all these bookstores are a zoo. You just can't seem to, to get service. So I always think, man, this is, a, this is a strong pain point and the customer is willing to pay, if, especially for private schools where these parents are paying very, very high fees. They don't want to be going around from store to store trying to find these materials. So if the schools are supplying these lists, then this would be an incredible summer job for a motivated, ambitious university student. That they take the list from multiple private schools, they go around and, and source it, and they put together a package. They say, here is all you need for this level at this school, and then you promote it to the parents. You put it on their Facebook pages that, that they have these group WhatsApps and things, and you just let them know, I'll give you the entire package, here's the price, and you've got a nice little tidy profit margin in there for yourself. And there's opportunities for economies of scale. If you're buying you know, 20 copies of the same book, you can work at a deal with the bookstore to reduce those prices. I mean, this would be a nice little small business, and it would be seasonal. If for a student, this is something you would focus on in the summers, but you'd be solving a pain point, and there's an opportunity to make money there. Absolutely. And for a little explanation of supply and demand, if you wanted to take some risk and you wanted to test the market, you could even put together 10 sets of these books and show up in front of the school on the first day of school. And you could offer these books at a very high margin, yeah. a complete set to the parent who has just come back from vacation 
and is completely unprepared for their child's <laughs> education to start on the beginning of school. And you could charge 100% markup. Yeah. And you could probably sell out those books and make a nice profit. However, there is the risk that every parent is completely prepared and you would have no one to sell the books to. But that's capitalism. That's the market. That's the economy. You take the risk, you get re reward. Yeah. You don't take the risk, you don't get the reward. Yeah, imagine if you noticed there was a, a common book that was, a, well, that was demanded on multiple private schools lists. And so you went out and bought just a huge amount of that book with the understanding of supply and demand, recognizing if I have the supply and demand is steady across all these schools, I can charge whatever. And then you're there the opening day, you have your little cart with mm -hmm. a few books on display and you say, here it is, you know, don't send in your kid unprepared. I can provide you what they're missing right here. I love it. If you had, a, if you had 10 sacks of books that had met the entire requirement for college, each year of college, uh -huh. that would be a very attractive offer, offer, I'm sure, the first day. And there would be parents that would be fighting over buying your sack from you. Yeah. Uh, either because they couldn't find all the books or they didn't take the time to go and look for them or they figured they'd just do it in the month of September. Yeah. Yeah. I think uh, the way to wrap up the episode is just to remind people that the economy is always changing. No matter who you are, you're going to face challenges. There's going to be difficulties. But you have to just keep moving forward, keep working hard. I don't want our listeners to think that everything is great for us all the time. Mm -hmm. We're constantly encountering challenges, language challenges, cultural challenges. Sometimes our ideas don't work. Mm -hmm. My ideas have failed in Morocco several times. You just have to keep learning and keep moving forward uh, and, and not give up. Yeah. And, and that'll be the difference between a lot of people who are so-called success stories and those who sit at the cafe all day complaining about, about being unemployed. Don't give up. Keep moving forward. Keep thinking about things in terms of, of jobs to be done, problems to be solved. And of course, keep listening to this podcast. You've been listening to the Business in Morocco podcast. My name is Ryan Kirk, here with my co-host, Ryan Maimon. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe and leave us a five-star review on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Download our entire library of podcasts on our website, moroccopodcast.com, where you'll also find extra resources related to each episode in the show notes, including a transcript of the show. If you've got a question or topic you think we should cover on the podcast, fill out the form on moroccopodcast.com or email us at ryan at moroccopodcast.com and we'll give you a shout out on the show. Our theme music is Lovely Day by Bill Withers, used under Creative Commons, and we hope you'll have a lovely day doing business in Morocco. We'll see you next time. Yeah.